Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Hey, you guys picked a great time to be here today. We are wrapping up our last uh, series, I guess, on values, or last message on values. And so we're excited about that. Today we get to talk about how worship is our passion. How many of you know that passion goes a little bit beyond an emotion? Amen. Like you can be emotional about something, but when you're passionate about something, you, you can kind of kind of dig a little deeper. Nobody wants to get up at 6 a.m. to work out, right? So you have to have passion to plow through. Sometimes passion will, will allow you to plow through something that emotion won't. Right, And so when we talk about worship as our passion, we're not just talking about, about the goosebumps. We're not just talking about the emotion. We're, we're talking about something a little, little bit deeper this morning. We're going to jump into that uh, in a second. And I'm in a fun mood today. I've had a few cups of coffee and a good night's sleep. So it's going to be a good message this morning. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Matt. Welcome. Uh, we have a welcome box for you. If it's your first or second time, you've never gotten one before, uh, we had another guy come up. He'll talk more about that at the end. Uh, you know, I'll be jamming for about 25 to 30 minutes, and we'll get you out here. we got more coffee for you, uh, and, and thank you for being here if you're a guest today. And if you're a regular man, thank you. You, don't, you have no idea how much right now just your presence is power. Honestly, like, you know, and we're not trying to force anybody to do something they're not comfortable with, but those of you that are comfortable coming to church, right now, you are moving the needle just by showing up. Honestly, like, it, and I know it's crazy right now. Everyone seems to be a little more afraid in this round, but so honestly, from my heart to you as your pastor, and pray for me, y'all, because right now, we need, how many of you know that I just need wisdom, right? Like, like no one's ever done a global pandemic before. There's not a mentor in my life that I can call and say, how do I get through this? No one has led through this before. And so right now, I would covet your prayers, pray for wisdom, pray for favor. Uh, This is, who knows what this is, right? One day I'm going to look back on this and laugh on it, but it's not today. And so, and so your presence is power, your love, your kindness, your generosity means more in this season than I could really ever let you know, honestly. And I, and I mean that from my wife and my heart to yours. Thank you. We, we appreciate you so much. Uh, let's do a little recap before I jump into today's message. Let's start again. Just rewind all month long. We're talking this. Uh, mission. Why, why are we here? Hey, guess what? We exist, right? So people can meet, know, and follow Jesus. We, we are the lighthouse. These are our streets. This is our community. We are a church for the people of Fort Lauderdale. Amen. We are here to build people up, not beat them down. Right? We're going we're gonna to love them first. We're not going to judge them. We're going we're gonna to build relationships with them. We're going to go after them. Like God loves them, therefore we love them. This is the mission. This is the essence of the church. Matthew 28, man, make disciples. Right? We don't want to just make converts. We want to make disciples. Jesus did all of his correcting through relationship. Isn't that amazing? Right? That's why we embrace friendship evangelism. It's a, we're, we're not just trying to make a convert. We're trying to make a friend. You know, and I always thought, remember back in the day when door-to-door evangelism was popular? I don't know, y'all, some of y'all probably aren't old enough for that, man. I remember knocking on some doors, right? Like, we're knocking on doors, and after a while, I was like, they, I don't even know their name, and I'm trying to tell them about the most important relationship they'll ever have in the universe. And I realized over the years, you got to slow down and get someone's name. you got to get their story. Come on, you got to share your story. 
right? We, we overcome, the Bible says, by, by our testimony, just saying, hey, here's what Jesus has done in my life. Here's how he rescued me from that depression, right, or, or whatever it is. And here's what I believe he can do for you. There's some power in just the, 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 the security of relationship that we need to, to be in relational community with each other and as we introduce Jesus. And so uh, our vision, we see ourselves building a church that an upcoming generation can connect with, right? Like, come on, there's, there's not a more important generation than the next generation. The gospel's got to go out, but it's got to go down. And we're already looking at that and, and focused on that. And as we make plans, like we're, we're always considering that, right? We see ourselves building this thing and then multiplying this thing. Right? One day Delta will end in Jesus' name. <laughs> Just when I feel like we're ready for two services, I'm like, something else happens with COVID. But it will happen, okay? You can write this date down and be like, Pastor Matt prophesied on this day, the last Sunday of August, we will multiply. We will get to a point where we will multiply this thing and multiply this thing and multiply this thing. You know, when you plant one tree, there's an orchard in that tree. Right? There's an orchard in this seed, and we have planted one tree, but there's an orchard in this tree. And y'all may not see that yet, but I do. Every time I pray, I'm like, it's there. It's in my spirit. It's, it's, there will be a day that we will ride through it, and we will build an orchard. Amen. And so we're going to get through it. Values. Love is our, is our calling. Love's the highest thing. The Bible says nothing is greater than love, right? God is love. So, so love is the calling. Courage is our choice. Cheers is our heart. Friendship is our vibe. Worship is our passion. Worship is our passion. If you have your Bibles this morning, let's go to Luke chapter 7. Uh, maybe you got them on the phone, you got the Bible app, or maybe you old school and you actually brought a book. Come on, somebody. I see D2 up there with a Bible in his hands. It's like, what is that thing, right? Like, So, so if you brought your Bible this morning, if you've, you've got the app or you want to follow along, we're going to look at Luke chapter 7. And I'm going to read a few verses this morning, but they are so beautiful, so powerful. We're going to get a lot out of that this morning. So let's, let's jump in together. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Jesus is chilling. He's just sitting back and reclining at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life. Everybody say sinful life. Come on, okay? Learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Go to the next verse for me. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Just pause for me just for a moment. Okay, guys, this, this is not uh, 2021. This is back in the day when, when people had sandals and they're walking dusty roads. Okay, like I don't want to get too graphic, but horses would just kind of use the restroom on the road. Donkeys would use the restroom on the road, right? I, I mean, so these are not clean feet. These are not freshly showered feet that Jesus probably has. He went to the man's house. He's walking on a dusty road. So his feet are probably not the cleanest thing. The, the, the jar that she poured over, scholars think, was about a year's worth of wages. So, so what you would earn in a year, imagine everything, you're, you're, everything that you've earned in one year, you've just poured on Jesus' feet. Right? Like he just, you just took $100,000 or $50,000 or $200,000, whatever you make in a year, you just poured it at, at his feet in, in worship, right? And so she's this incredible act of humility and, and, you know, dirty feet, just kissing these feet. And so as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to, or, or I think we just read that. Hit the next one for me. Yep, sorry. There we go. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. He should, should reject this, right? He said, Simon, I have something to tell you. He says, tell me, teacher, he says. 
Look at this, guys. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Look at this. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. He goes, you have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to him, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Look at this. Wow, this is convicting. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. Woo. You did not put oil on my head. She's poured oil perfume on my feet. Other, other gospels say that she poured it all over his head, really his whole body. She just soaked them in this oil. Therefore, I tell you, her, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven loves little. Or whoever can live in, forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. He looks at her and he says, your, your sins are forgiven. I, I want to start with this, this thought on worship today. My realization determines my reaction. My realization determines my reaction. If you're taking notes, write that down. To the level I realize what Jesus has done for me, I will act and react accordingly. See, I was 17 years old when I, when I realized that Jesus had forgiven me of my sins and I received Christ into my heart. And I, and I realized at 17 years old that he was able to take the depression and the suicidal thoughts. And, 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 I, and I, I, had, I had a love there. I, I knew something was there. I could feel a presence. I, I, I knew that, that God had done something for me, and I had this, this experience. What's wild about worship is worship is the only thing that I can really give in the dynamic of Christianity because the Bible is really for us, right? Like the Bible helps me live right and please God and is full of wisdom. And, and you know, prayer, that's so I can hear from God, not so that God can necessarily hear. God doesn't need your wisdom this morning, right? Giving is so I can live a blessed and generous life and God can change my heart. You know, God doesn't necessarily need my giving and forgiveness is so that my heart can stay free, right? Like God doesn't need, you know, it's like he doesn't need that, you know, it, but that's for me to, to stay free. But, but worship, worship is different. Worship is me giving love of myself and glory and admiration to God. And I get nothing back really, but I get to give this thing to him. I get to give worship. And, 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 and the thing is, is people can withhold that or, or they can offer it and they can give it. it it's got to be love. And for it to be love, it's got to be free will. My, my wife and I recently celebrated 16 years of marriage, right? And that's, that's a, that's, I feel like, I feel like, wow, how did that happen? And, but, but the thing is, how many know it, it's, it's love because it's, it's got to be a choice. Like if, if my wife locked me in a closet, it's not love anymore. You know, like you got you to gotta choose. Like worship it's, it's love. It's got to be love. It's, it's, it's got to be a chosen thing. I really believe that the more we know about what God has done, the more worship just becomes a natural response. Um, and I've, I've used this analogy before, but it's been like two years. And so anybody remember the good old days of Northeast High School? Okay, they weren't that good. So this is better now. Okay, so, so I used it a couple years ago. So maybe if you've heard this before a couple years ago, just go with it. It's a good reminder. And if, if you're a little newer, then hey, it's the, the first time. But I want to talk about God's grace because we, we get this confused just a little bit like what God has actually done for us. And so I, I want you to just imagine with me, and we'll just pick the AutoNation building right over here. Let's just pretend that you work at the AutoNation building 
okay, and you work on the 11th floor, and we'll just pretend it's a fictitious company, okay, and, and let's just say that you're an accountant um, at this company, all right, and, and the boss, he's working on the 50th floor, however tall the building is, probably it's more like 30 floors, I don't know, and, and, but you're on the 11th floor, and man, you went to FAU, you got your degree, you know, you're, you're not balling out, but you're making decent money. You drive a Toyota Camry, come on, or whatever it is, and, you know, and you, you, you got a spouse and a couple kids, and you're an accountant there, and, and you're doing okay, and, but, you know, maybe, maybe a couple years goes by, and you ask for a raise, and you didn't get what you thought you deserved, right, and, and so you, maybe you didn't get that raise, and now you've had a lot of Zoom meetings, and you're in the office and out of the office, and, you know, you're tired of wearing a mask or whatever it is, you get to a point, you're just a little edgy. And then an, an account comes up and you find a way, and I know you would never do this, but in our story, you find a way to, to take a little money from the account and put it in your own personal bank account without anybody realizing. And because you're the accountant and you're like the lead accountant now on this thing that you're like, no one's really looking over your shoulder. And so you find a way to siphon a little cash your way through this, this whole thing. And so, you know, you, you do it the first time, and you're sweating, uh, but no one catches you. And so, you know, the next month comes by, and you're like, yeah, you know, I, I'm tired of getting by from month to month. Like, I, I can do this again. And so the next month goes by, and you take a little bit more, and nobody notices. And how many of you know the weeks turn into months, and they turn into years real quick, right? And, and so, like, like, even COVID, like, has it been five weeks or five years? I really don't know. I can't tell you. I'm in the weirdest time warp right now. And, and so it's like, let's say, let's say for 10 years, you're just siphoning a little something here and a little something there. Come on, you're driving a Tesla now, right? Like you, you only shop at the good places now, like, you know. And, and so, so, you know, your kids are a little bit older, they're elementary school, and everything's taken care of. You're living a good life. You got a little extra money. And, and then one day you go into your, let's say you're on the 14th floor now, and you, you go in, and like every other day, you got your coffee, you're walking, you're talking, but this day's a little different. Everybody's quiet. People are looking at you like, like you know, like what happened? And you, you walk back to your office, and in your chair is a man dressed in a black suit that you don't know, right? So you look at your secretary, and they just kind of look at you quietly, and then you look around, and there's an officer and another man there, and you're like, but it, it just you've been doing it for so long, you, like, it doesn't register what's going on yet. And so you, you look at the guy and say, hey, excuse me, what are you doing in my chair? What are you doing in my office? And the man looks at you and says, well, we have done an audit. We've done an external audit, and we have found that in the last 10 years, you've stolen over a million dollars from this company. And all of a sudden in that moment, right, like it hits your stomach, right, like that frog feeling gets in your throat. You want to talk, but you're like, you know, like, like all of a sudden you just you start sweating, Right. And then you and then instantly you want to talk your way out of it. No, no, that that wouldn't me that that, you know, and you just start running through the scenarios of what it could actually, you know, just trying to. And they're like, no, no, listen, we got the emails. We got the accounts. We've frozen it all. There's no way you're out of this. We 100 percent. We know this is you. And the penalty we will just make a pretend penalty. We'll, we'll just say that the penalty of, of stealing this much money is 25 years in prison. OK. And, 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 and they read that sentence to you and that it's going to be 25 years in jail and. You're just like, how am I going to tell my spouse this? I'm never going to see my kids graduate. I'm not going to see them get married. Like, I'm, I'm losing everything I have. And it just, you start freaking out, right? You start sweating. And, and, and they handcuff you, and they begin to walk you out of the building. 
right? And, and right before you get out of the building, uh, another gentleman stops you. He's dressed in this really nice Armani suit. And, and he says, wait a minute, before, before you take them out and you take them away, uh, the CEO of our company would like to talk to them. And you think, oh, great. Like now before I go to jail, they're going to spit on me. They're going to slap me, right? Like they're going to cuss me out because I've stolen a million dollars from this man and from this company. And so they, they get in the elevator. They push the top floor, right? Let's say it's just 30 floors or whatever. And you go all the way to the top floor. That little feeling in the elevator hits you, and you're just sweating. You're, you're nervous. You're sick to your stomach. You haven't even told your spouse yet. And you get to the top floor. And, and a man in another suit approaches you, and, uh, and he says, hey, thank you so much for being here. And you're like, okay, this is the weirdest thing. Like, well, I'm, get, I'm about ready to get it, right? Like, I'm about ready to get it. And you're like, the CEO is in his office. He'd like to meet with you in just a moment. And he looks at the officers, and he says, officers, thank you for doing your job. You can take the handcuffs off now. And thank you for doing your job. Uh, go ahead and please leave us. And the officers take the handcuffs off, and they just walk out real quick. And the CEO comes out of his office, and, and, and to your surprise, he's not swearing, he's not scowling, he's smiling at you. And, and he comes up close to you, and he gives you a hug, and he said, it's so great to meet you. And you're like, okay, this is weird, because this man's close to me, so he's going to stick a knife in my back. He's just getting me to lower my defenses, and, and before I know it, I, I, I'm going to get it. And, 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 and he says, listen, uh, my assistants, would you please go grab an Armani suit and, and bring it over, and we're going to put you in some new clothes. And, and then he looks at another assistant, and he says, hey, can you show him really quick his, his or her new office? And they walk you over to this beautiful mahogany desk, this brand-new MacBook or whatever, you know, this chair that's incredible. You've never said anything so good in your whole life. You know, and like, hey, this is your new office. And he looks at another assistant, and, and, and you're like, oh, and he goes, go get the keys to the, the Ferrari you know, and bring that over here for them and hand them the keys to the Ferrari. And you're like, okay, this is really, really trippy right now. Like, what, what is even going on? And, and, and you're like, hey, sir, excuse me. I, this is probably some sick joke, and I'm, I'm going to get slapped in the face. Um, do you know who you're talking to? Do you know that I'm the person that just stole the million dollars from your company? This is all just a little odd. And the CEO looks at you with a smile, and, and he says, hey, I'd, like to, I'd like to show you something. Come over here to the window with me. And so he brings you over to the office in this window. And, and he says, look down. And you think in your head, yo, this is it. This man had the cops leave. He is shoving me out this window. I am going to fall 30 floors to my death, right? This, he's lowering my defenses. He's ready to shove me over this edge. And it's all, it's all over. And he says, look all the way down there. And you see a handsome man, you know, dressed in, a, in another very, very nice suit. Uh, but his, his hands are cuffed, and he's getting into the car, a police officer's car. And he says, that is my son. That's my only son. This son helped me build this company from the ground up. Went to Harvard or Yale or whatever you like. Straight-A student, perfect kid, never gave me any problems in his entire life. And he said, my son decided to take your jail sentence, and in place, he's giving you his office his cars, his helicopters, his clothes, his position in the company with me while he serves your jail time for your thing. You see, the reality is God did not give us justice. Justice is us going to jail for 25 years. 
Justice is getting cuffed, getting walked in there, getting walked away, you know, 25-year jail sentence. How many of you know that's justice? How many of you know in this life, justice is most likely what you're going to get? Right? Like you still, from a company of a million dollars, you getting justice most likely. Mercy. Mercy is the CEO coming up to you and saying, listen, this is obviously a serious crime, right? You're fired, but we won't press charges. Go home, live with your kids, but get out of my door. How many of you know that's mercy? That's mercy. Not going to jail for 25 years, not pressing charges, that's, that's merciful. If we went to any CEO in South Florida or the world, we'd just be begging for mercy. Please don't send me to jail for 25 years. I'll work to pay it back, whatever. Grace, grace is different because grace is an exchange of positions. See, God didn't give us mercy. He gave us grace. Jesus traded places with you. Look at this. Look, look, look at, hit the next scripture up there for me. So I want you all to see this. Ephesians 2, 6. God raised us up with Christ. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus took your penalty and then traded places with you and I. And that now you and I are seated in Christ, in God, in heavenly places. Guys, the Father didn't give you mercy. The Father adopted you. He brought you into his family. He's clothed you in the righteousness of Christ. He's included you in. And as much of an upgrade as our fictionary accountant got, can I be honest with you? Your upgrade to heaven from where you were headed is a much larger upgrade in our lives. And the goodness of God and the relationship with God and the presence of God. This is grace. He has brought us in. How dumb would it be for our accountant to go back to stealing? And something wouldn't be right if the accountant wasn't struck with gratitude every day for the rest of their life. We would say something is not being understood if you don't show up to work every day and kiss the CEO's feet and thank them for adopting you, not just throwing you away and and giving you justice. Justice, mercy, and grace. God has given us grace. Worship is my reaction when I understand the action of grace. This woman in Luke 7 understood what God had forgiven her of, and he gave her grace. And she knew what she deserved, and she knew she got grace and not just mercy, and she loved him for it. This is worship. Are y'all with me a little bit? Are you trekking with me? I'm way too happy this morning preaching this. Pastor Matt, that's awesome. That sounds cute. How do I worship? Three quick things. I know we're running out of time, but three, three fast things. Number one, you can't. God's got to help you with it. You can't. God's got to help you with it. Ezekiel 36, 26. Throw that up for me, Brian. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. The problem with humanity isn't that we're naughty. It's that we're spiritually dead. We're spiritually dead. The Bible says he's put the old person to death, and he brought about a new person, right, Corinthians, and Christ Jesus. God had to kill the old. That thing was dead. It was unresponsive, and he had to bring about a new. I left the mannequin up here this morning because I want to use it as an illustration. 
let's just, let's just call our little mannequin Manny here this morning. I can hug Manny, but there's nothing coming back. Why? Because Manny is unresponsive. He's not living. Come on, like I can dance with Manny, but Manny is unresponsive. I can wrestle Manny to the ground, but Manny is unresponsive. You had a cold, dead heart that was unresponsive. And God said, we're going to let dead things be dead, and I will breathe new life and create a new heart and a new spirit that loves me and can worship me. You and I can't even love God without his help. You know, the Bible, Jesus made it so simple. He's like, hey, that's, it's, it's so simple. Love God, you know, love others, and just love me with all your whole heart. Can we be honest? Loving something with your whole heart is hard. I mean, I think I love cookies and cream ice cream with all my heart. But if I'm honest, like loving my spouse every day, every week for 16 years with all my heart, that's kind of hard because she doesn't always say things I want to hear sometimes. Can I just be straight with you? In 16 years, you step on each other's toes sometimes. I'm supposed to love with my whole heart, unabandoned, and be happy? Come on, loving my neighbor when they're rude and they said that about me on Twitter? Come on, loving my boss who's a micromanager or narcissistic? What? Love with my whole heart? Jesus, you asked me to do something I don't even want to do. Love with my whole heart. You and I can't love God with our whole hearts without his help. He had to put the old thing to death and bring about something new. Worship, worship's got to be love. It's got to be real. It's, it's got to be a reaction to his action of grace. It's my worship is my love responding to what he's done in my heart. You can't worship until you know Christ. And you can't worship until, unless you have God's help. Grace warms your heart. And it keeps warming your heart and warming your heart. How do I worship Pastor Matt? Well, you ever heard that phrase, practice makes perfect? I played basketball in high school. And every morning, 6 a.m., we're shooting free throws. We're running laps, doing some dribble drills. Two and a half hour practice every single day after high school. Every day, I was tired. But I'm a Hoosier. We play ball. We're serious about playing ball. We would get four weeks off after the season ended, and it was right into summer camp. I mean, it was, it was real. It was all-consuming. It took over my life. It was, it was serious. Practice was a serious deal. Why? Because in practice, watch this, I lose my weaknesses, and I sharpen my, my skills. Guys, can I be honest? All of this is practice. All of this is practice for the day that we're before the throne room of God. Come on, because there will be a day that every tribe and every nation and every tongue is fallen down before him, laying their crowns before him, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? Who was and is and is to come. And when it comes time for my section, my family, I don't want to drop the ball. I want my last praise on earth to be my first praise in heaven. I'm way too excited or you're way too quiet. I don't know what it is, but I'm chipping away at something this morning. And, and I want to live my life in such a way that worship is natural. Some people are going to get to heaven. They're going to be disappointed. 
Why? Because it's not about them. It's all about Jesus. We're going to be worshiping for 10,000 years and spend it like it's 10 minutes. Just all about him. This is practice. In practice, I lose my weaknesses. I get lost. I waste away as I worship. I lose myself as I make it about him. And can I be honest? Your worship matters the most when you don't get what you want. Your worship matters the most when God says no. Anyone can worship as long as God is saying yes. Come on, my daughter's happy when I give her what she wants. But I say no more TV. Come on, as she grows, I hope she loves me for me and not just what I give her. How sad would it be if our relationship never passed a transactional relationship? I want her to love me. God wants you to love him. Can you love God when he says no? You get lost as you worship. Your weakness fades. You you waste away as you worship. Life will make you grow better or grow bitter, but you cannot stay neutral. My worship makes me grow better. It's It's about him. Last one, last one. We worship. As we worship, we reinforce our revelation. Like I said, my wife and I got married 16 years ago. I told my wife 16 years ago, baby, I love you. Will you marry me? How sad would it be if after 16 years I never told her again that I, that I loved her? Hey, baby, I love you, and if it changes, I'll let you know. How many of you know that I would be a single man if that was the last time I told my wife I loved her? My wife needs to hear again and again and again and again that I still love her. Husbands, can I give you some free marital advice today? Like, you got to express that love. And, and we as men, we're not always good at expressing, are we? Right? Like, like I told you once, like, if it's not going to change. Like, but, like, how many of you know, like, your lady, your wife, she needs the expression, right? Listen, worship's got to be love. And guess what? Love has to be expressed. It's got to be expressed, and every time I express it, I reinforce the realization and the revelation that was there. One day I found out, yo, I love this girl, and I want to marry her, and so I expressed it. But every time I continue to express it, I reinforce the revelation. What you don't reinforce, you start losing. I just wonder today if your, your relationship with God has drifted a little bit because you've stopped reinforcing you, you got to express. Listen, I know we're all going through a lot right now, but I'll tell you what, the last thing I would quit on right now is church. Like, yeah, quit that narcissistic boss. Quit that job. Sure, why not? Go on that four-week vacation. Quit on this. Quit on that. But don't quit on this. You need this. you got to have the reinforcement of this. I, every time I worship, I reinforce this thing. I have to express it. I grew up in a church, um, and man, people would stand up and they would sing, you know, like, holy, holy, and they'd fold their hands like this, and they had a scowl on their face. And I was like, are we at God's funeral? Or is this a festival? I love the Lord. You should tell your face you love the Lord. I'm happy to be here. You should tell your body you're happy to, to be here because you look like you're at God's funeral every week and you don't look like you're happy to be here. Right? Like, like listen, if it's, I got to express my 
worship. I think it's good, even for men, to shout to the Lord. I think it's good to sing with all your heart. It doesn't have to be on key, but I'm going to make a joy-filled noise. It's okay to lift your hand and clap off beat and just give what you have. Can I just set some of you free this morning? Like, don't worry about what somebody else thinks to you. The songs aren't about them. They weren't there when you were depressed and got dumped and were hurting and needed salvation. They weren't there. Set yourself free. Make some space. Express. Let that thing go. Right? Like, every time I express, I reinforce the revelation. I lose myself. I gain him. I'm getting a little more. You you ever seen that couple in public that just don't care what other people think? Like, maybe they should. You know what I'm saying? But but they don't. Like, they all over each other. They making out in the theater and whatever. And you're like, get a room. You know, get married and get a room. We're in church, you know, or whatever. So it's like, you know, it's like, it's like just they don't care, right? And, and, and it's a little awkward. I'm not saying we should go make out in the mall this week, but I am, I, I am saying they, they just free. They don't care. You know, and, and if, we, if we can be that passionate about, about that, you know, it'd be okay to get a little more free in church, amen? Like it'd be a little more free to, to get a little passionate about this Jesus who's done so much and, you know, we'd never be able to, to give. And, you know, when I, see an, when I see an elderly couple in their 80s or 70s and they're still holding hands, Come on, somebody. How many know they've reinforced that thing? They've reinforced that thing. And I want to live my life in a way where I'm reinforcing this thing with Jesus. Amen. Let me pray for us and we'll get out of here. Thank you for today. Heavenly Father, I love you. Lord, uh, Lord, worship's our passion. And we know it's not an emotion. It's not a slow song. It's, it's the way we live our lives. It's our obedience. It's our love. God, it is, it is us reacting to the action of your grace. And so, Father, today we want to give you our hearts. We give you our lives. And Lord, we want to express, we want to reinforce what you have done for us. Jesus, you didn't have to save us, but you chose to save us. You, you didn't need a relationship with us, but you chose to have a relationship with us. And God, for that, we are wildly, wildly grateful. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing week.